Welcome to the Kinky Cast, a sexually explicit podcast. If you are under 18 years of age, stop the podcast now. This is episode 162 of our weekly exploration in the kinky world of BDSM and alternative relationships. Views expressed are not representative of the management of the kinky cast. We welcome guests with opposing viewpoints. Today, we bring you Rainda Gray of Insex Crew and Hard Tide. Here's your hosts, Woody and the Beast. Thanks, Max, and welcome to another edition of the Kinky Cast. Sitting in the studio next to me is the Beast. What do you know, Beast? Hey, Woody. I am just too excited for silly banter this excited? week. Excited? Why are you excited? Well, we have a major celebrity on the line with us. A major celebrity? A major celebrity. People know this woman. Wow. They know her body. They know her work in front and behind the camera. They know her. Well, who is it? We have Rain DeGray with us. Not not the one. Not, the one, really. really. Yes, yes. When I mentioned her, you got all excited and your foot started tapping and your it tail started is. wagging and it all that. Is. So, yeah. Hello, Rain. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm going to object to being labeled a major celebrity. That's a very uh, uncomfortable label that doesn't um, – it makes me feel kind of itchy inside the truth is that I am a kinky motherfucker like all the rest of us on a journey of exploring and learning who I am as a person. Um, and it, it baffles me that I somehow get a celebrity label because it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm just really passionate about what I do. You've been seen on a lot of screens. Well, I love what I do. <laughs> I was true, true to you. I ran across one of your essays, The History of the Blowjob. Oh, yeah, that was fun to write. It was amazing. I had been a published writer a long before I became a professional naked person. And I would not qualify myself as a celebrity for being on a lot of screens. Here's the thing is that it doesn't take a lot of skill to get naked. Anyone can get naked. And um, I don't really think that uh, being naked qualifies me as a celebrity. But I am very passionate about writing and educating uh, that's a lot of fun for me. Listeners, she has an incredible list of writings on her FetLife profile. Do check them out. And we will have that website on the links. Yeah. How did you come to be kinky and embrace it so fully and boldly? You know, that's an excellent question. I firmly believe that people are born kinky. And you can no more choose to be kinky than you can choose to be bisexual or gay. Kinky is who you are as a person. It is your wiring. And I have been kinky for as long as I can be aware of it. My my formative realization that I was kinky is I was eight years old and my mother caught me in front of the linen closet at midnight. And she said to me, Rain, why are you getting pillowcases out of the linen closet at midnight? You should be in bed. I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm getting these pillowcases to put them over my head so that I can imagine that the bad men have kidnapped me. I was live action role playing abduction fantasies at the age of eight. I'm a kinky. That's yeah. who I am as a person. And the truth is, it took me a long time to come out of the closet. 
I was worried about being judged. I was worried about what people would think of me. I was self-conscious of my proclivities. And basically what happened is one day I decided to stop giving a fuck. I gave no more fucks. And I realized the world isn't thinking about me. The world isn't judging me. The world is way too busy thinking about itself to ever take the time to judge you. And it's it's ego to think that people are going to track you down and critique you and judge you because people spend so much time thinking about themselves. You never cross their mind. And when I realized that I was free and I was like, fuck it, I'm not going to live my life for anyone else anymore. I'm going to live my life for me. I'm going to be a decent, honest, ethical person. And I'm going to explore this kink thing because it is who I am as a person and I can't be in the closet anymore. So uh, the truth is Lou Rubens got me started. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was on MySpace and I didn't know who Lou Rubens was. I'd only vaguely heard of kink.com. And this was back when you could get away with bondage pictures. I mean, MySpace. I'm really dating myself. It was a while ago. And I sent Lou a message, and I was like, I, I like your bondage pictures. And Lou's like, I work for Kink. We have happy hour. Come by on Friday. And I was like, okay, deal. I can totally do that. Happy to do so. And I was modeling for Kink in under three months. And it's it's been, uh, I've been off and running ever since. For me, the modeling is very tied in with my kinky journey, and I get a lot of flack for that. People think that I'm not a real, honest, authentic kinkster because I happen to model. And my rebuttal is this. I get to play with the best handlers, the best riggers, the most skilled people on the planet. Under the safest conditions, I get to explore things I would never be able to explore. I can't go to a dungeon and be like, hey, I'd like to be crucified, buried upside down with a bag over my head and a breathing tube while you cane me and vibrate me. Like, you can't accommodate something like that at a dungeon. And modeling gave me access to the experiences I craved that, you know, a rank and file civilian going to a dungeon and someone's like, oh, I can flog you. And there's nothing wrong with flogging, but I really was very curious to see how far I could push myself and modeling was the path to get access to all the coolest things. Who wouldn't do that if they had the opportunity for it? You did dive into the deep end of the pool at kink.com. I went where my mind and body naturally craved to go. And for me, it was never as strenuous. It was never an effort. I definitely think there's people that play harder or more extreme than I do. I, I went to what worked for me. And I, I went to where I craved going. And I wake up every single day grateful and fortunate and blessed that I've had the privilege of experiencing the things I have. I am so lucky. Like, it's insane how lucky I am. How blessed am I that I have gotten to do this? What you really want to do is be able to live your passion. And I have somehow found a way to make a living doing what I love. <laughs> We should all be so lucky. I think you said this was a very nervous uh, exploration because she's putting yourself on the line and you didn't think that you had the stuff to make it happen. I mean, nervous, it was 
it's weird to think of myself as a model. My my self identity is not that I am some fabulous, you know, sexy person, and that's very odd to present myself as a professional sexy person. Um, that part was always challenging for me. What I got off was the experience and the sensation. It's I, I meet these women and they're just like all about striking that pose and sticking out their ass and like, oh, you know, you want this. And um, that part never flowed for me. For me, it was really the kink exploration and the fact that I had to present myself as some, you know, lingerie clad fuck doll was part of the job description. But that was never the part that felt real or authentic to me. Well, I think the authenticity you bring as a as a lover of what you're doing to your work is amazing. It just it just comes comes through. And I don't know and obviously the the our fans and your fans connect connect with that image. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. None of this is acting. I have turned down so many gigs. Anything you see me doing on camera, it is something I would be willing to do for free off camera. There is a ton of work that I have turned down because I'm not comfortable with it or it's not something that interests me. Uh, All of this is authentic. My body is the greatest toy I will ever be given, and I want to explore the fuck out of it, and I want to see what I can do with it. Uh, I consider myself – I'm a stunt person. I'm, I'm pushing my body and I might, I'm a naked stunt person and I just, I'm really curious to see what I can do with my body and all of it is authentic. Who knew that, um, people would respond so much to it as they have. But I think that no matter what you're doing, if you're authentic and passionate about it, people will pick up on that and notice it. For our listeners who are not familiar with your work, go out to insects.com. Uh, I-N-S-E-X dot com, and check out Rain de Grey's work because there is, first off, there's lots of it out there. Uh, how many shoots have you done? I, ugh, hundreds. I mean, I've been at this for, you know, nine years and counting. A lot. I can't keep track of the shoots anymore. It's just, and all of them are beautiful and magical and special to me in some way. I get something out of all of them. But uh, I, I stopped counting a while ago. You, you know what's interesting? A lot of people say that uh, people are in porn because they have to to survive and, and they don't really want to do it. But when you talk, it's like you do it for the love of exploring your own body. Oh, 100%. And definitely. I think that porn gets a bad rap. I do fetish porn. I do kinky porn. Uh, I actually got a tweet today, someone who said... It amused the hell out of me. They were like, dear Mr. Gray, could you please do regular porn for some of your fans who are a little <laughs> more sensitive? <laughs> I'm sorry that you're sensitive. I'm sorry that like you want to see me in L.A. arching out my ass, wearing five pounds of makeup and like, you know, doing a blow bang. I know a lot of women that do L.A. porn and they are authentic. They do love it. They really enjoy sex. Um, I could have done a million things with my life. I'm, I'm a very driven person and I have a very strong work ethic. And for me, exploring my sexuality became something I was so passionate about. I was willing to do it. And 
I do get judged for it. Uh, I've had fairly severe stalking. I've had uh, fans get really out of control. Um, I have to be in the closet for some people. I mean, I'm not in the closet, but I have uh, friends and family where they can't know what I do because they wouldn't be able to deal with it. Uh, My entire family, other than my father, has disowned me. I don't regret it because I'm being true to who I am and I'm doing what I want and what I'm passionate about. And my thought is, if you can't deal with me being real and honest and authentic and doing what I'm passionate about, then I don't need that in my life. And what I've found by being uncompromising and being true to who I am is I am completely surrounded by a circle of people that accept me 100%. I wish everyone had the, you know, just had the courage to live their life that way. We spend so much time and effort and energy wearing these false masks and trying to be someone we're not to please the world around us. And you can't please the world around us. It's a, it's a futile attempt. You're going to wear yourself out. And I stopped wearing false masks and my life has been all the better for it. We are so glad that you feel this way because we can see it in your work. You are so completely into every moment that you're in and it's pretty extreme stuff. We were talking a little bit about that earlier being buried upside down with your head in the ground and things like That's that. That's fun. That is not extreme. That is a delight. It's that was, extreme I, for a lot of people. Yeah, I don't I don't see it um, as extreme at all. It's not. I mean, nipple clamps are challenging. That sucks. Nipple <laughs> clamps are extreme. But bury me upside down underground and I'm happy as a clam. You know what's interesting is the fact that you said that you have this support system in the studio of people that are there in case something goes wrong to get you out of a bad situation very quickly where in a play space you won't nearly get that kind of response. And so the trust factor for you is so much higher when you're working. I mean, yes and no. I've done some pretty extreme, I mean, if you want to call it extreme stuff off camera, I just don't play with people that I don't trust implicitly. I have very high standards. I know what's good. And uh, I would not see the point of playing with someone that I couldn't trust with my life. It does help that there's a crew of eight people only in that one of my favorite scenes I did with Matt where he took me up on the side of a mountain and he crucified me and then he crucified me upside down and buried me underground Uh, That was challenging only because we needed a backhoe and it took, you know, five hours of digging (laughs) to get the hole big enough to even invert me in underground off a pulley system. Yeah. So, and it wasn't for like, people were like, that had to be scary. And I was like, no, it was totally fun. I enjoyed every moment of it. I don't, uh, I mean, I do, I know that I seem like I'm scared a lot. I, everything I do is consensual and it takes, you know, the stuff I do doesn't really rattle me. I don't really find it scary. I find it enjoyable. Was that the same shoot that they did the uh, the water tank in the ground? Oh no, that was a that was a different one. Um, the inverted upside down. Um, that was Fear the Woodsman, and uh, the one with the water tank. That was uh, Sid Black. I wish I could remember the name of it, but that's also one of my favorite shoots. What was magical about that? It, I mean, I really didn't know what he was going to do, and. There's actually edited, censored footage from that. Uh, Sid's like, hey, you know, I've done a lot with you. I've worked with you a lot. What do you want to have happen? And I'm like, well, 
I have a bit of a vomit fetish and I never get to explore that. So uh, could we possibly do a shoot where it would incorporate in my vomit fetish? And Sid was like, not a problem. And the shoot has him feeding me oatmeal and uh, pomegranate juice until I, I puke. And I puke into the water and he's taking my head and he's like dunking my head in the water. And then he seals me in the water and it's my own vomit and the water. And the level of the water was so high. My eyes are underwater. Everything is underwater and there's the grate. And the only thing that I can possibly do is clear my lips by a quarter of an inch and I'm sucking just air. I can't, I, the water's up so high. It's over my face. The only thing I have is my nose and mouth. And then water starts to fall on me and I literally can't see what's happening because I'm underwater. And I think, is he peeing on me? Maybe like, I can't tell what's happening. And the shoot ends. They take up the grate, they unbind me, they pull me out and it had started to rain. So the shoot ended with this beautiful rain hitting the tank that was outside and we hadn't anticipated that. The unfortunate thing is it turns out vomit play is against the rules and they had to censor out all the vomit bit. But if you see that water tank, it's not just that I'm submerged, tied and being rained upon. I'm actually also marinating in my own puke. Yeah, that does add a factor to it that I didn't see in the uh, clip. Has, has anything truly rattled you in your work so far? No. Wow. That was a quick and <laughs> quick and straightforward answer. You're on both sides of the camera, and you do some of the from the top side now, working with some of the new talent, right? That is correct. Yes. How's that been to switch roles and bring out that same uh, <laughs> excitement out of the new talent? Here's the thing: I am not submissive in the slightest. I am a masochist. And because I'm, I'm, if, if to be perfectly honest, I am a switch sadomasochist strap on top. And people think because they see me bottoming heavily that I must be some uber sub. And I get these online doms that approach me all dommy pants thinking I'm going to submit to them because they've seen my video work and they think I'm this. I am one of the most feisty and strong willed women you will ever encounter. And it isn't my fault that primarily people seem to enjoy seeing me be beaten. I have always wanted to top. I begged to top for years. I'm damn good at topping. Yes, you are. No one ever wanted to see it. They just wanted to see me tied up and beaten. And, you know, that's fine. But I spent years wanting to get on the other side of the coin. And I, I really enjoy topping. I'm Primarily, I, I do strap on topping. That's where... My energy and passion lies is using my dick to completely unravel a submissive and skull fucking her until she is a crying, sad eyed panda with her makeup dripping down her chin. And every molecule of air in her lungs is only there because my dick permits it. And she does not get to breathe until I'm satisfied. You are wicked. Of course I am. This isn't a caring, mentoring role here. You are you are playing hard. I do not play lightly. Why? <laughs> I play where my passions are, and I'm sure that there are people that want to do light and fluffy. I had a play partner for half a decade, and she 
would allow me to skull fuck her until she was puking. I would lay down towels. I would use her vomit as lube to continue to skull fuck her. I would choke her unconscious and punch her in the head. And that's what I'm into. And I'm very honest and forthright about it. And if that's not something that works for you, then we shouldn't play together. I've found the more honest I am, the higher the chances are that I get my needs met. I'm not going to sit there and mentally project without opening my mouth hole and hope the universe will somehow realize my desires and give it to me. No. Be clear and direct and ask for what you want. What's the worst they're going to do? Say no? They just might say yes. The more clear and direct you are, the higher your chances are of getting what you want. Have you had any bottoms that came completely unglued and, and really didn't like it? No. I'm really good at what I do. I guess you are. <laughs> and now you have such a fertile ground of some of the loveliest, most perverted uh, talent at your disposal. Life is good. Well, I mean, here's the thing. To back up real quick with the question of if I had any bottoms, the job of a top is to completely read your bottom like a book. You can count on them going nonverbal. You can count on them not being able to communicate. You can count on them getting locked in a headspace. And my responsibility as a top is to pay attention to their body language, their facial expression, how they're breathing, how they're holding their shoulders. Are they tense? Are they relaxed? A, a bottom is communicating at all times a wealth of knowledge to you. And it's my job to read it. So I have never pushed anyone so far. I had one shoot with one girl that was very young, and her master had sent her there, and she was collared, and it was a real-time bonded shoot. I think halfway through, she realized she didn't want to be there. Her master actually ended up getting banned off FetLife. It turned out he was a predator. It was a whole shit show. And I know she walked away from that experience not fond of me, but I'm not going to take a lot of uh, uh, personal blame in that situation. I feel it was a really young girl with a much older master who got in over her head. But other than that, and she never told me directly, I you know, heard from another model that she found the shoot challenging and not fun for her. And I feel very unfortunate about that. But I've, I'm very good at reading people. I'm very uh, selective with who I interact with, both as a top and a bottom. And with some precautions, you're going to really limit your chances of scenes going sideways. One of the things that I've noticed is after these very long, intense video sessions that you can watch, there's a clip at the end where the model speaks and says, I, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, yes, I'm safe and that sort of thing. That kind of underlines the fact that it isn't, we are just not taking advantage of people. Oh, that's that's the difference between consent and abuse. And those clips are incredibly important because, yes, if you didn't have the clips, you're looking ostensibly at some young, attractive, nubile girl getting the shit beaten out of her. And that can be challenging territory for some people. And abusers abuse Kinky people do everything that's consent-based. I am one of the most consent-based people you will ever meet. It is the cornerstone of how I practice my kink. And people need to know that this isn't some fantasy of some girl dragged off against her will and chained in a basement and beaten bloody. Uh, and I, it's challenging for me as a kinkster who is living my dream and doing what I'm passionate about 
to know that there are some viewers that don't like women, that don't have a healthy relationship with them, that are not even looking at the pre-interviews and the post-interviews and are just watching footage of some woman get beaten until she's a bruised and bloody mess. It's hard for me. It's it's hard for me to know that I'm approaching my kink in a very authentic and healthy way, but not everyone that views the footage is. In the post-interviews are important so that they know that the models do want to do this. And I can tell you from behind the scenes, not all the models that we get booked make it through a shoot. Shoots get called halfway through. Sometimes the model doesn't even get through the intake interview. Like it isn't for everyone. And even people that show up that think they can do it, you have to be doing this for a love of it. There's not enough money in the world to make the shit we go through bearable if you're not into it. It's challenging. And as the paycheck is is nice, but that's not why you do it. If you're doing it for the paycheck, you wouldn't last a week. You would certainly be able to tell if you weren't into it because it wouldn't look right. Well, there's certainly some people that have a fetish for miserable girls doing things they obviously don't enjoy. <laughs> yeah, there is. Um, but it's so much more fun to get completely into the scene with oh, you. Oh, I agree you know. 100%. Uh, Rain, is there anything that you think that shouldn't have made it to video? I noticed you had an essay about the panda gangbang. Oh, I loved the panda gangbang. I thought that was hilarious. It was one of my favorite shoots of all time. It sounded so taxing on the participants. That's what people don't realize. Viewers are just watching porn, and they have no idea how fucking hard this shit is to do. You're too hot. You're too cold. You're uncomfortable. You're in awkward positions. You need to get a boner now in 30 seconds. You need to hold that hardwood for the next 17 minutes. You can't let it go down. Does not matter. Doesn't matter how uncomfortable the position is, how much you don't like your scene partner. It's it, this shit's work. You think, oh, it must be nice to just, you know, ah, oh, I get paid a ton of money to have sex with attractive people. It's not like that at all. The panda gangbang, to give our listeners a ideal, is six men, was it, in panda suits? It was six men, yes. And panda suits? Head to toe panda suits. Except for the genitals. Right, there was a hole cut out where the dick could pop through. <laughs> and it was so difficult to do. You have the custom-made panda suits. And the thing is, you have to bring in a seamstress. So it's like, I need you to make me six giant, six-foot-high panda suits. And then I need you to cut a hole at the crotch level so that someone's dick can stick through. So I don't know, there's some, you know, Asian seamstress somewhere. (laughs) These fucking people, they're weird. All right, I will make this panda suit with a hole for the dick. And what no one had really factored in is how, I don't know how furries do it. You get warm under all that fur. Oh, yeah. These six dudes are sitting here with their dicks out, trying to fuck this girl, dying in sweat. The fur is getting everywhere. It's sliding <laughs> off the costume. Everything that they touch, the fur is getting fucked into the girl's mouth, pussy, and ass. <laughs> the dudes are having to pop off camera real quick and remove their panda head so that they don't overheat and pass out from heat stroke. And the entire time you have to maintain wood. Yeah, sure, this no problem. Not easy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, Panda goes go goes down as one of your favorites. 
I wasn't personally in the shoot. I was just at kink the day the shoot was happening. Uh, I found it ridiculous and I saw the effort and like, how often do you see six pandas fucking a girl? (laughs) Like that's insane. I love this stuff. For me, porn is so creative and artistic and unusual and fun. I mean, it's an art form. I consider myself a performance artist. I just happen to do all my stunts naked. Well, and I agree that the uh, performers are Olympic quality performers in many cases. What you all do with your bodies and the positions and the stamina, it's amazing. I am an artist and my medium is flesh. What project is percolating in the back of your dark, devious mind? I am trying to finish my intro to kink book. Jay Wiseman might have written SM101 over three decades ago. I don't really feel that there's been a good intro to kink book written from a woman's perspective. I am full of the advice. I am so passionate about this. I love education. I've been teaching classes for eight years now. I've been writing articles. And I feel that more and more people are getting interested and curious about being kinky, this Fifty Shades of Grey, I mean, whatever. It it opened up the doors to a degree. And there now is a discussion where people can talk about these proclivities. So I'm, I'm working on a book because I have a lot to say about the subject. Uh, I am veering uh, away from film work. It saddens me, but piracy is a huge issue, and it is gutting the industry that I love and hold dear. And it's not just porn, it's music and it's movies as well. We have raised an entire generation of people to believe that all entertainment is free and it comes out of the magic box on their desk. Nobody wants to pay for entertainment and everyone believes they're entitled to free entertainment. And the thing with porn is it costs money to rent a location. It costs money for electricity. It costs money for a video camera. It costs money for the talent, for wardrobe, for makeup, for feeding them, for editing, for the computers you're going to edit it on. And nobody wants to pay for porn. In fact, people are smug. What? You pay for your porn? Why would you do that? Porn is free. It's not free. Artists are making that. Musicians can't make it anymore. Movies can't make it anymore. I don't know what to do about the piracy issue, but I know that books and articles are a lot harder to pirate than videos and photos. And we're going to get to a position where there will not be the free entertainment because the leeches that are viewers, passive viewers, will have scraped the bottom just dry. They... No one wants to pay for their entertainment, and people are struggling. It's uh, everything is shutting. Uh, Kink has left San Francisco. They fired half the directors. They've had their film production. I mean, companies are shutting down left and right. People can't stand business. So the Armory is uh, no longer Kink headquarters. No longer. Nope. Oh, that's sad. That was something else. That's piracy. It's piracy. It's seriously a cultural issue, as you say. Um, the internet is free and access should be free. Content does not have to be free. And that's where the difference is. Uh, people can't separate access from content. Nobody wants to pay for anything. People be- believe that they are entitled to free entertainment. 
And we have not figured out a workaround for that. And uh, the industry that I love and am passionate about and have been in for nine years is gutted. The money is just not there anymore. And just things are shrinking. Budgets are shrinking. Production shrinking. Things aren't as elaborate. Like, I thought that kink was an institution. And Peter can't keep it running with how much he's hemorrhaging money because of the piracy. When I was working for Insects, if you put a shoot live at noon... By 12.10, there would be pirated copies of it available in other countries. Wow. Like there's just people whose full-time job is just pirating stuff and putting it online. They scrape out the watermarks. They remove all of the identifying logos, and they post it on uh, pirate tube sites. And then they depend on some kind of, of uh, wacky and uh, deceitful advertising revenue. Yeah, and it's, it's ads. They, they get the content for free. It's no effort. The, the cost for the servers is minimal. They don't have to pay for any of their product. And then they just do ads. And they are making money hand over fist. It's it's sickening to me, and no one can figure out what to do to stop it. And uh, even with, with music and movies... You know, people feel slightly guilty for ripping off their favorite artist or comedian or musician. But with porn, people get embarrassed that they watch porn and they would never want to have on their credit card bill. Oh, I, I pay for porn. Only sad losers and perverts would pay for porn. You're, you're, you're a loser if you pay for it. But if free porn just happens on your computer, oh, that wasn't your fault. So it's, it's doubly hard in the industry I'm in to get people to be willing to pay. Because people find it humiliating to have to pay for that. And you don't have lobbying organizations like the MPAA to support you either. Well, the most powerful Hollywood with blockbuster movies can't stop piracy of their stuff. Piracy is, is that strong. It's that much of a market. Because here's the thing. I can make money because I'm getting a product for free. Who, what unethical person would not sign up for that? You know, it's 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 very tricky. I mean, I've I had uh, a friend that went to Amsterdam, and even though Kink.com does not produce DVDs in Amsterdam and shops, she was sending me photos, and there's just me on CD covers just lined up. You can walk into stores, buy a Kink.com DVD of me of my work that is totally pirated, and they have the the sleeves, the envelopes. They've they've printed it all out. It looks professional. It's all get out, and it's all piracy. And people can't tell the difference. No. Well, they don't want to tell the difference. Or if they can, they don't care. They don't care. The the viewers are not emotionally invested in making sure that the money goes to the right place. They they don't care. It's like children doing working in sweatshops. And everyone that goes to Forever 21 and buys that really cute, cheap $8 dress, they know. They know that that dress was made under horrible, abysmal working conditions, but the dress is easy and convenient and it's there. People know that the porn might be stolen, but they don't, they want to get off. They don't care. It's a sad state of affairs right now. While we're on the the downer side, uh, how do you see the legal situation coming around this year uh, for porn? I'm terrified. I mean, as long as we're going to keep talking downers, let's just be honest. Like, I'm I'm very concerned at what has happened to my country. Uh, I don't know what happened. I don't I know how Trump is president. Uh, I felt really confident about being kinky, and I didn't have a lot of worries about it. And the pendulum does seem to be swinging in such a way that 
porn could get a lot more flack. Kinky people could get a lot more flack. We could be driven back underground. When I originally started out this interview and I was talking about how you can no more choose to be kinky than you can choose to be gay, we've gotten complacent and we've taken for granted the fact that we have kinky privilege and we can just go and be perverts and it's all good. Is it all good in Trump's America? I don't know how things are going to turn out. And I mean, I'm waiting to see, but uh, I'm nervous. I'm not going to lie. The climate we're in now doesn't fill me with a lot of hope. Well, we see, uh, from our perspective, we see just the future is not bright at all. As you say, I I fear that we're going to be driven back underground and decades of progress in bringing human sexuality out of the closet and into a open discussion are threatened with uh, destruction. The... Gay rights, uh, transgender rights, all those are threatened so, so, so severely. It's troubling. I've got my passport. This is my thought, is that there are more of us than there are of them. And you can't ever stop fighting. We need to be the sand in the gears of this machinery. It's easy to be like, oh, it's, it's overwhelming and like it's just too hard and there's nothing we can do. The fact that Trump got elected, it is the last gasp of a dying conservative America that is freaking the fuck out and looking how things are. That's how it got this bad, is that the people that were in power, the conservatives, it used to be that you could get away with racism, homophobia, and sexism in, to a degree that would be unthinkable now. Fifty years ago, Paula Dean would not have lost her career over saying the N-word. When my mother went to college, she had to petition for the right to wear pants to college at the age of 20 because women were only allowed to wear dresses. In my lifetime, my parents had to fight for the right for black people and white people to eat at the same counter. Things are changing and people don't give up their rights. People don't deal well with losing their rights. So are we in scary times? Yes. What does that need to be? We need to double down and work five times as hard. We will not be suppressed. We will not be quieted. We will not have our rights taken away. You cannot take away gay marriage. You cannot take away transgender rights. People are not going to roll over and offer up their belly. I don't know how bad it's going to get, but I do know this. I'm not going to give up. I am not a quitter. Someone has to raise their voice, and I'm going to be one of those people. I refuse to go quietly. Thank you. All our listeners need to echo that same resonance because we are in a crisis situation. Uh, no joke. We're in a crisis. And I, I, I simply cannot give up. I am aware of the extent of this crisis. And I believe that when people that are in a position of privilege see their privilege slipping away, they get really twitchy and irrational. And for all of American history, rich white men have been in power, rich white conservative men, and anything that was freaky or unusual was shunned and put in the corners. And they see their grasp of power slipping, and they're panicking and freaking out and becoming irrational, and that's how Trump was elected president. Any damage they do, other than environmental, we can undo. Yes, they can really fuck up our planet in a four-year period, our votes count. Our voices matter. Any rights they take away, we can put back. 
And if anything, this needs to motivate people. How many people were complacent? How many people stayed home? They didn't vote. They couldn't be bothered. What's the point? Now you're seeing the concrete results of your inaction. I hope people are terrified. I hope people get off their ass. I hope people stop being complacent because we're in the situation we're in because people got complacent. And we're like, what does it matter? It matters. It matters a lot. And I think people are finally getting the message. I hope this is the fire under people's ass to be like, I have to make some changes. I know it's the fire under my ass. I mean, I've always voted. I have voted since the age of 18 because I believe that my voice and opinion and thoughts count and they matter. And it's so frustrating for me to be around apathetic people. They're like, uh, what's the point? Uh, there's a real strong point to it. And you can't ignore the masses. When the masses speak loudly enough, they will be heard. Where is the petition for your, uh, your um, congressional bid? <laughs> I think they frown on BDSM porn stars. Yeah, I, I think you should run on the kink party. They don't <laughs> in Europe. Yeah, in Europe, it's a whole different world. Yeah, so one, maybe we, we, we need to become a little more politically active and uh, show our face. I'm, I am doing that, baby. Check me out. I you am incredibly are. politically active, and I am showing my face. I am completely not ashamed. I am 100% out of the closet. I am an advocate. I am loud. My voice will be heard, and I believe that my thoughts and opinions matter for something. We elected Sonny Bono. We've elected all sorts of people. You know, Schwarzenegger was the governor of California. Like, there is still some stigma to the fact that I'm a professional naked person. Uh, but if there wasn't stigma, do you, I would be doing politics in a hot second. Hell yes, I would. One of the rights that I gave up when I got into the industry was I'm not taken as seriously. I am not a perfect victim. If I were to be hit by a car and, and killed tomorrow, my obituary would be range of gray BDSM porn star. That is the label I will wear for the rest of my life. Uh, if I get assaulted and raped, if I'm walking down the street and I'm going to the corner store and someone decides to rape me, my rape is going to be taken less seriously because I happen to be a porn star. I, I do have less rights as a result of the path I chose, and I do not regret my path. But uh, it would limit me to politics to a degree that I think is unfortunate. What is in the future besides books? Uh, books, classes, articles, uh, activism. Um, I just I doing all the things. I'm incredibly kinky. I'm um, dedicated. I'm a lifestyler. That's never changing. Uh, I'm going to be kinky until the day I die. I think that the books, the articles, and the classes do keep me fairly busy. I'm going to be very excited to get this book done. I'm pretty prolific with the articles. I do a lot of writing, uh, and the education has definitely been uh, picking up. I lectured at Harvard. I lectured at Northwestern, uh, taught in Rhode Island. I'm going down to L.A. in uh, two months to teach. Um, I'm in negotiations to teach up in Portland. Just I'm going to keep spreading the good word. I'm, I'm all about educating people, empowering people, making people less ashamed of their bodies and their sexuality. When the book is ready to release, we want you back on the cast to talk about it so that we can get it promoted for you. Mm, certainly, it would be my pleasure. Come and pimp it, yeah. We would be honored. 
listeners, we've been talking to Randy Gray today. This is a great podcast, so rewind it and listen to it again. A lot of important stuff here. Rain, thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to following your uh, budding career in politics. Oh, thank you very much. (laughs) It was my pleasure. All right. Good night. Take care. You have been listening to episode 162 of the Kinky Cast. For more information about this show, go to kinkycast.com. The Kinky Cast is a production of Rooster in the Round. On behalf of all our Kinky crew, I'm Max. See you next week when we chat with Archer and Elegant on Rituals.